Tax preparation is not tax planning. One concept that separates accumulators of wealth from non-accumulators is their willingness to spend when they are not legally required to. Tax prep is required, of course, but tax planning is optional. Listen to hear why you should consider taking that option. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of the Joy of Financial Planning podcast. The topics of this podcast are a complement to the book, Joy of Financial Planning, now slated to launch in the fall of this year, 2019. The book is about belief, a belief that we can overcome the unique economic challenges we face as a generation, follow our passions, and live with compassion, and that we can still achieve a personalized version of the American dream. The topic of today's episode, Joy of Enough, This Time Income Taxation, is a part of that. Managing your cash flow by managing your taxes is an important part of your entire financial picture. I hope you learn a lot from this episode, and I hope you enjoy it. When I was in college, I majored in accounting. Now that isn't the sexiest major in business, especially in the mid-1990s. I watched as many of my attractive friends found their way to marketing, and the rest switched their major to Management Information Systems, we called it, or MIS, to take advantage of the dot-com era. Admittedly, it was mostly my determination to learn something new that kept me in accounting. That and the opportunity to become a superhero. I couldn't wait to take one class in particular federal taxation. Now, to most, it was the most boring class in the curriculum, but to me, it was the only one that the public ever really cared about. What's deductible? What isn't deductible? Being an accounting major didn't increase my chances for dates. I told you, all the beautiful people switched majors to marketing. But it did prepare me to answer questions for everyone from my dad to my dad's friends to my coworkers. I, I did work full-time while I was in college, so I had real adults to work with. Federal taxation was the only class that made me feel like a superhero, and perhaps that's why I'm a financial planner today. To be a superhero in tax and the many other strategies of what nerds like me call comprehensive financial planning. To be fair, I nearly skipped over this topic because, for one, I am no longer an accountant, though my, my dad would have always said uh, I'm an accountant no matter what profession I was in. I think he liked that one. Um, but really, the other reason I nearly skipped this is people never expect that there's anything they can do, quote-unquote, about their tax situation. At least the people who don't consider themselves wealthy. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who do think they are wealthy, and they always think they're missing some loophole of their potentially wealthy friends. And so that's, that's a whole different scenario. But really, regardless of your income or your wealth level, there's usually something or some things you can do to improve your cash flow through tax management. And that's all tax planning really is, identifying legal methods for managing your present and future tax liability. And managing your tax liability will give you more control over your cash flow, hands down. So below, um, well, so here are more than a few ways to identify those opportunities. First off, manage your W-4 and your W-2. Thanks to the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017, 
most of us have a better idea of how important it is to manage our W-4 way before we get our W-2. Now, the W-4 is a withholding form that most people only think about when they start a new job. You calculate, it used to be actually easy, but now there's a calculation, how many withholdings the IRS and your state should account for when your employer is paying you, you know, that paycheck you get. If the tax laws don't change and your life doesn't change, you can pretty much leave this calculation of withholdings the same for as long as you're with that employer. But in 2017, after 30 years, the tax laws finally did change in a significant way. Many people received a tax bill they were not expecting because they failed to account for all those changes in their tax planning. So this law passed in December of 2017. So 2018 has come and gone. And earlier this year in 2019, when people got their tax bill, they were pretty surprised. For most, the IRS was taking out slightly less money from their paychecks for federal income taxes, which over the course of a year turned a lot of expected tax refunds into tax liabilities or maybe just much smaller refunds than people planned for. You know, paying a tax professional, whether it's a certified public accountant who specializes in tax or a tax attorney to run the numbers before the end of the year would at least have given these folks a heads up about what their tax bill could look like before it was due. Now, here are a few personal changes that if they've happened in your life should signal to you that it may be time to adjust your W-4. First off, if you buy a house, then that will certainly affect your taxes. If you get married, if you get divorced, if you get a raise or your spouse gets a raise and you're filing jointly, if you have a kid, or at least if you're claiming a kid, uh, if you start a business, any of those things would really turn your income tax situation into something that the IRS isn't expecting, to something that you didn't initially put in your W-4, so your employer may be a little bit off from what the IRS estimates for someone like you with those situations. Now, this is why we do tax prep in the first place at the end of the year. The IRS claims what amounts or figures out what amount should be kind of standard for each person and their paycheck. And they take that number and they take money out of your account based on those W-4 exemptions that you put down. But they can't know with the W-4 form if in the middle of the year you bought a house or got divorced, for example. So the tax preparation process kind of trues all that up from what you owe, from what you paid. So if any of the events that I mentioned have happened to you or for you, right, it's a nice thing to get married, um, then you should see a tax preparer and pay the hourly rate to estimate how much your tax liability or potential refund may have changed from the prior year. So if you talk to a CPA or a tax attorney, you may pay anything from 200 to who knows, $400 an hour, but you probably only need about an hour of that individual's time by you know, kind of looking at last year's tax return, talking about things that happened, and getting a quick and dirty estimate of what it likely could be as far as a tax liability for the current year. So do that before the end of the year so you can make changes depending on what he or she says. Hopefully that makes sense. Now in the category of saving money, I know that there are a lot of people who underreport 
their exemptions on the W-4 just to create some kind of forced savings through overtax collection of their employer's uh, paycheck into the you know, tax bucket throughout the year. This gives uh, those folks, and I'm sure it isn't you, uh, an expectation of a tax refund that um, is kind of nice because you're going to have to true up through your tax return what you should have paid the IRS. You would have overpaid them, and now you get a refund. And some people manage their savings this way, knowing that you know if I had the money, I'd spend it. Now, doing this does outsmart bad spending habits, but typically only for a while. You know, what can happen is your actual brain will eventually adjust to this expectation of a refund. And it'll allow you to spend a little bit more, maybe during the holidays, um, any number of holidays, right? You've got your normal Christmas holidays. You've got your Valentine's Day. Maybe you're a big spender for St. Patrick's Day. Whatever it is, you're anticipating a refund, at least your subconscious brain is. And so you figure, hey, why not spend a little? And I've spoken before about basically... Uh, neuro attacks to your brain when it comes to spending, that neuro marketing concept, um, it's out there. And if your brain thinks it's got money coming, then it'll probably go ahead and succumb to those advances. Now, once you get that refund with all your expectations, you hopefully can use that money um, in the right way instead of actually paying off debt that you incurred in anticipation of what would have been your savings, quote unquote, from the from the IRS, you know, who did that saving for you by setting aside the money. And this is, you know, all in, you kind of figure out you can outsmart your brain, at least not for forever. So here's an alternative um, where you can still do some of the saving, but doing it a tax planning way. Number one, divide your expected future refund by the number of paychecks you get. So if you're paid twice a month, then divide that refund by 24. If you're paid uh, basically every other week, then divide that refund by 26, you know, your expected refund. The next step would be asking your employer, so you go to HR, the payroll person, and say, hey, can you direct deposit this amount for me into my savings account that you either have created or um, that you've always had, and that way it's, it's basically out of your hands, right? Or if you don't want to go to your boss's team, essentially the employer or the payroll person, you can just go to your bank account online, set up an automatic bank transfer on your paydays so that money will automatically move from your checking account, assuming that's where your paycheck goes, into your savings account. Again, for that exact amount you calculated, divided by 24 or 26, depending on how many paychecks you have. Now, completing these steps of number one, estimating your refund, uh, dividing it by 24, 26 paychecks, either asking your employer to direct deposit into a savings account, or creating an automatic bank transfer in your own online banking system. Any of those steps will ensure that the money at least finds a home in your savings account at one point. After that, of course, it's all up to you. If you feel comfortable dipping into those savings for some kind of purchase, then it must be important enough. But at least you'll be doing this very consciously and not subconsciously. Regardless, automating the savings like this will increase your cash flow and, of course, hopefully your savings account without increasing your spending appetite. And that's a huge benefit in this scenario of tax planning. 
Now there's another area of tax planning. This is the Roth 401k versus the traditional 401k. You know, a frequent tax question I get is whether it makes sense to use a regular 401k at your employer or a Roth 401k or maybe a little bit of both. Now that answer, of course, depends on your personal situation, so I, I can't give advice over a podcast, but I will highlight a few facts that can help you make a decision. Now first off, most employers don't offer a Roth 401k option, so if that's your case, then you don't have to think about it. Don't worry about it. Put the money in your traditional 401k. But if your employer does offer a Roth 401k, um, note that it's an account that does not give you a tax deduction today or on the days of your paycheck for your retirement savings, but it still allows your money to grow without being taxed. And on top of that, according to the laws we have today, a Roth 401k will allow you to withdraw that money later in life without future tax liability. Okay, You won't have to pay taxes when you take it out. This is the opposite of a traditional 401k. A traditional 401k allows investors, right, people who are setting aside money and to invest, to trade a tax deduction today, because you'll get that deduction essentially when you're doing your taxes annually, um, but then you'll take a tax hit when you withdraw that money later for retirement. Understand this bit of information. The 401k was fully implemented in the early 80s. Back then, our national debt was between, depending on what year you start, if you start with 1980, it was about 900 million. Um, and then into the 80s, it got into about a trillion dollars, one trillion. Now, of course, our national debt is 22 times that. It's 22 trillion dollars and counting. So it begs the question of whether our tax rates will be lower in the future or higher, since the only way the government makes money is to essentially collect taxes. What I tell some of my clients if they actually do have a Roth option and have saved for years in a traditional 401k so they've accumulated some money in there is that it may be time to start filling up another retirement bucket, this Roth bucket that they have available. No one can really predict what tax rates will be in 10 or 20 or even a year from now. I mean, I was surprised by the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017. But it sort of stands to reason that if you have both taxable money and non-taxable money in the future when you need to actually use it, that you'll be able to win no matter what happens. So keep your cash flow options open. Now the last thing I'll talk about here when it comes to tax planning is business and home ownership. You know, there's a reason that some of the largest tax deductions we have available in our tax code are in fact available. And that's because they are supported by some of the largest lobbying organizations in the country. You know, the Center for Responsive Politics, which operates OpenSecrets.org, reported that in 2017, business spent over $450 million lobbying our federal government, or should I say, the U.S. House of Representatives and our senators, a.k.a. our congressmen. The top three contributors to uh, all of that money were the Business Roundtable at over $27 million, the National Association of Realtors at about $55 million, and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce at a whopping $82 million. Now, this is all in one year. It's a lot of money. With lobbying, of course, though, comes rewards. Our country has long supported capitalism, which is a good thing, and nearly $500 million per year of the lobbying is not going to waste when you think about all the different advantages people who own businesses have in our current tax code. Pro-business policies abound throughout, and the tax deductions that allow you to start, manage, and grow a business 
are really some of the biggest that we have. So if you've got an idea and the heart to see it through, that's what entrepreneurship is all about, start a business. Our country, through its tax code, totally supports you. Now, in another topic when it comes to actual housing, the Peter G. Peterson Foundation pegged the deduction of home interest as the sixth largest deduction. Like I mentioned, it was about $55 million, uh, just for contributions in a year from the uh, National Association of Realtors. Um, but the deduction amounts to about $61 billion a year. Um, at least that's what the number was for 2016. Now, the National Association of Realtors is a trade association. It represents the interest of about 1.3 million realtors and counting because there's always seemingly more realtors uh, and about 75 million property owners according to their own website. On behalf of these real estate professionals, the association pays attention to a few important issues. The National Flood Insurance Program, Fair Housing, and of course tax reform. They have a federal taxation committee that's specifically focused on tax reform basically to preserve the benefits of investing in real estate and buying homes in general. What's interesting, even after the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, or I should say, regardless of the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, uh, we look at housing today, and the housing starts are, are not great. There's not a lot of new construction. But as far as people buying homes, there's a lot of that going on. That may have to do a lot more with the interest rates, but it's amazing how limitations imposed by the recent Tax Cut and Jobs Act haven't really hurt the uh, purchasing of homes that are over $750,000. Just an interesting note. You should always check with your tax preparer, uh, but in general, with that kind of attention that the National Association of Realtors are, uh, are basically giving to the tax code and any kind of tax reform, you and I will rarely have to worry about losing our mortgage interest deduction benefit. So, at the end of the year, do your tax planning. If you've purchased a house, there may be a great benefit or it may be a little smaller, but regardless, you'll want to know. In summary, there are many opportunities for tax planning and they all can make a great impact in your cash flow now or in the future. Get a handle on this part of your financial life and you will take one step closer to the kind of wealth that will make a difference in the life of your family, the wealth of your community, and, and so much more. You know, my goal is to empower smart, generous, ambitious thinkers like you so that you can go save the world. And I hope this helps. Thank you in advance for your service.